The information provided in this show is intended for your general knowledge only and is not intended to be, nor is it, medical advice or a substitute for medical advice. If you have or suspect you have a specific medical condition or disease, please consult your health care provider. You're now listening to the Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs> What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here, founder of ChemicalFreeBody.com and your host for the show that simplifies and demystifies how to live an energetic life with a flat belly. So if you're into a healthy gut and staying young, then this is the show for you. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here with another exciting episode of the Health Hero Show. You've heard me say it before, but I'm going to say it again. This might be the most exciting episode year to date after two and a half years of having this podcast and doing interviews and going deep with you guys one-on-one with things that I've experienced in my own personal life that have definitely moved the needle for me big time in regards to my health, in regards to my uh, love for myself, in regards to me building better, stronger relationships and sometimes new relationships with other people, um, my career, spiritual practice, everything. That's what we're all about over here. You guys know that this is the place to come if you are interested, not just in gut health, but a total all over lifestyle reset and the steps and making it simple and making it understandable and giving you guys the foundational things, the things that are the fundamentals of what I just spoke about, the fundamentals of health, the fundamentals of relationships, the fundamentals of being happy and choosing the right career for you based on your excitement and your joy. All of these things. And today we have a very, very special guest who um, was literally dropped in my lap from a friend. I want to thank Lindsay um, over at the Rogue Ways podcast for referring George to me. So today we have George Wiseman. Now, George, um, I really like him besides him being an engineer and a mechanical genius. And he's been doing this since he was a teenager. He'll tell you his story. Um, He actually grew up on a 3,000 acre cattle farm ranch uh with no one running water so him and i have connected because we both have cowboy hats (laughs) so that's really cool and uh, he's a decent human being and he is on a uh, on a mission and he's on a mission and you're going to find out all about this today so stick around to the end because we're going to get into his story we're going to get into what he's invented his it is it's an amazing story and and how this is gonna this episode is literally life-changing for you if you stick around to them, we're going to give you solutions and we're going to have something you can add to your lifestyle that is that is foundational. Now, listen to this. This is foundational to 62% by volume of what your body is actually composed of. So think about that. It's a very profound statement. What we're going to be talking about today is going to go towards 62% and even more, but 62% of your body by volume. We're going to get to a fundamental level and we're going to jack that area of your life up on a cellular level, and your your life and your health is going to forever transform. I want to welcome um, my friend George. Uh, George, thank you so much. Uh, George Wiseman uh, from Eagle Research. George, thanks for being here today, brother. Oh man, uh, the talks we've had uh, previous to this, I am I'm really stoked and and happy to be here, uh, so we can help a lot of people with the uh, trials and tribulations I've gone through, so we can help people not have to go through that. It, I'm yeah. really happy to be here. Yeah, I, dude, my, my pleasure to have you. So what we're going to be talking about here today, well, let's just first get into his story because it's really cool. So why don't you start back on the on the ranch and when you were a teenager and your $15 story and how you got your 66 Ford pickup 34 miles a gallon at highway speeds. 
Okay. Um, when you when you live 36 miles from town out in the bush and you have to take a ferry to get across a great big lake to uh, to even get to the road that goes to town, uh, we, we didn't get into town very much and we didn't have electricity or running water, any of those kind of things out on the ranch. And I, we just grew up that way. So we didn't know really the difference. <laughs> so, uh, but you learn to fix things. Uh, I, I love watching MacGyver, for example, because he's he just uses what's around him to uh, do whatever he needs done, and that's what that's actually what we were doing when we were growing up. I learned, for example, how to weld uh, cast iron to mild steel because now we had generators so we could have electricity to do welding, for example. Uh, but the but the house didn't have electricity. We just used kerosene lamps and stuff. We didn't uh, anyway. Workshop welding cast iron to mild steel. I didn't know it couldn't be done. I just learned how to do it. Right. <laughs> so that and and there was a time when uh, uh, one of the bearings in in uh, mower uh, blew out uh, a universal joint type bearing. So it has a little cup with a whole bunch of little needle bearings in it. And one of the things I was I, I chuckled to myself is I could I could write a book on like a thousand ways to use bailing wire. Well, it turns out when that bearing came apart, I had to uh, uh, rebuild it out in the out in the field, and I couldn't find all the little bearings, so I I had to uh, I just clipped little pieces of bailing wire to put in instead, like every second or third one uh, bearing, I just put in a little piece of uh, wire. And as far as I know, that thing was still running years and years later. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that's the way I grew up. We just learned how to do things. We did things because we had to. There were no veterinarians or doctors or policemen or anything. If something happened, you took care of it yourself or that was it. So yeah. uh, our neighbors, we took care of each other. If somebody needed something or help, we, we helped because there was nobody else. There was no uh, veterinarians to uh, help the sick animals. Uh, so whoever could do, we didn't even have telephones in those days. And then eventually we had CB radios where we could call into town by one person because CB radios only have a short distance. Uh, so we could call the neighbors and they'd call the neighbors and they'd call the neighbors until we could get somebody with a telephone to call into town. Um, and the police really only came across the lake on Fridays, uh, one Friday a month, because that's the date that the uh, natives got their, uh, North American natives got their uh, checks and they, and they get all drunk and rowdy. And so the police showed the flag one one day a month out there. So we pretty much drove however we wanted and everybody was fine. Uh, and and so it came to a time when uh, I was old enough to have a, a vehicle of my own. And uh, my dad, I worked all summer. So my dad would buy me a truck or a vehicle. And it turned out to be a truck because I, I there was this Ford Nova and a few other vehicles that I, I looked over and I liked. And, and he said, no, no, no. Every vehicle I brought to him, no. But he was at a farm auction one time and he needed to take a stock rack home that he had just bought. So he looked over in the field at a vehicle that was for sale, an old 1966 Ford pickup that was just thrashed. Had a lot of stories about that. Uh, and I even had a flat tire before I got home. And he said, you want that truck? And I, I said, yes, I'll just take anything at that point. And uh, he said, here's the deal. I will pay everything it takes to fix that truck up like new the uh, first time. And then after that, you're on your own. So that's what we did. And it turns out that in the process of fixing it up, 
I, I did some things to the truck that I didn't know couldn't be done because I didn't know what couldn't be done. And that, that pickup truck was, uh, <laughs> I was just thinking of all the things that were wrong with it. Uh, but it ended up getting 34 miles to the gallon on the highway at, at 45, 50 miles an hour. It could and get, what was the gas mileage normally? Uh, on a pickup truck like that, the normal gas mileage was somewhere in the 15 to 16 miles per gallon range. So pretty much double. Uh, pretty much, yeah, double. double. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, a little bit better in some cases. But I'll bet there are a lot of people right now would be like, hey, gas prices are five bucks a gallon. I'd like to double my fuel efficiency. So what did you do? You So this is where you actually started like, you know, inventing. I mean, you, when you grow up that way, you're always inventing everything because you're inventing solutions. Exactly. Right? So you spent Very your whole life becoming a master of solutions and not waiting for somebody else to solve your problems. Yes, very solution oriented. It was just an it was a natural occurrence for you. Now I'm I'm putting on these cannulas right now, not because I need oxygen, but this is how I'm breathing my Brown's gas. So we'll right. get to that in a little bit after. So I, I usually start an interview with that, with them off so that people don't think I'm just <laughs> geriatric, which I am very <laughs> right. So in any case, um Yes, we're all, I'm very solution oriented because that's the way it was. You either you either had a solution, or it was it was bad news, uh, right. just just the way it was. So when I I fix something, I also try to fix it so it doesn't break again, because I'm very very lazy. I I don't like to do things more than once. I like to do them well and done. And I carry, I've carried that through through everything I've ever done in my life, including the machines that I'm building now, which we can get to a little bit later. We will get to a little bit later. So in any case, uh, I took this pickup truck in to my dad's shop and I, I started fixing it up and uh, buying the parts that I needed. And a lot of it got done in the uh, school workshop. I, I had to board out in town during the week. And that's one reason I needed a vehicle so I could drive into town to go to high school. And so in the high school shop, I did a lot of the work. And when we took that engine out of the truck, it was a 352 uh, Ford engine. Uh, it it was in such bad shape, like it had a knock because one of the pistons was slapping the head because one of the uh, uh, bearings was gone, uh, it sleeve bearing. So in any case, the, the shop teacher saw that it was a beautiful engine for him because it had so many things wrong with it that he could show the students what goes wrong with <laughs> an engine. So he traded that engine to me straight across for a 361. Now, ordinarily, uh, Fords have a 360 engine, but the commercial version of the Ford engine was a 361. Turns out to be a key piece of the information that we're talking about. And the second thing is that 361 had a 2150 carburetor on it, which I didn't know one carburetor from another. They all work the same as far as I was concerned. But it turned out that the 2150 is another key piece of information on the, on the doubling of the mileage. So in any case, getting back to uh, the 361, I, I put that in the truck and, and now it had lots of power because the, uh, the original engine was, was really thrashed. It's what we call the rolls can hardly. Rolls down one hill can hardly make it up the next. <laughs> Got it. So now I could do 70 miles an hour on gravel roads. Uh, normally, that's just what I drove, 70 miles an hour on the gravel roads. I, I was even taking 30 mile an hour corners at 70 miles an hour, which I, I stopped doing for various reasons I won't explain right now, but dangerous. <laughs> yeah. In any case. Well, you were a teenager and I, too. And I, and yeah, and I always wore a seatbelt because I tell you, when you take a 30 mile an hour corner at 70 miles an hour, 
if you don't have your seatbelt on, you don't stay behind the wheel. <laughs> okay, for all the children listening out there, this is not something to do. This is kind of redneck stuff. Yeah, don't, stuff. Don't, don't, still don't do not a good thing to do. I've had, I, I almost yeah. died a couple of times because a couple of my buddies were doing that kind of stuff, and we almost went off a cliff one time. So yeah. I'm lucky to be here <laughs> myself. My youngest brother uh, smashed a truck up against the side of a cliff and managed to survive with bruises. I don't know how. And and my other two brothers happened to be in the same grade and half their their school uh, uh, class got wiped out in one car accident on uh, graduation day because whoever was driving was drunk and they and they rammed the vehicle at, into a cliff. So, yeah, oh, man. driving is bad. Driving is really bad. So. Uh, Unless drive, you do it responsibly and slow. So we're just saying right. that drive slow. Yeah, just, just All the speed. Right, right. <laughs> we're just telling you George's crazy story. Though, but <laughs> yes. It's, 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 story a, continues yeah, keep going. Back. Cause this, it's going to get, it's really interesting. You're going to understand that this guy became a genius inventor here and engineer. So keep going, buddy. So in any case, I was, I, I was a farm boy. didn't have very much money and I was buying Sears shocks at $6 a piece and having to replace them every three weeks because the gravel roads would just beat the shocks at those speeds it just beat the shocks up so the uh i saved up some money and i got gabriel shocks which were lifetime guaranteed if they went bad you just got a replacement and i replaced those every three months so that that really smoothed out the truck uh going on the road except that now shock mounts started to break like the uh the the, the shocks were really good but it just broke the shock mounts right off so i took in the truck in the shop and i welded up instead of the eighth inch steel i ordered i welded uh uh, quarter inch steel shock mounts and then the springs started breaking <laughs> so i replaced those with really heavy duty springs and the truck was it, the frame never broke so i was good the truck could could travel on gravel roads really really well and i actually went uh, to alaska i drove from dawson creek to anchorage alaska uh, one particular time in 36 hours which which is an average of about 50 miles an hour uh, and on, on, and it was all gravel road at that time. And it was partially still a military road and a military road when they, um, when they, when they make it, it's all curves. You can have a straight Valley between two mountains, but the roads looks like a snake going all the way down. The reason being is that if a plane comes along and straps a convoy, they can only get every so often the vehicles, they can't get them all. So that's why the military roads weren't straight. In any case, the, those roads are all straight and paved now. That was many, many years ago. <laughs> uh, I did I did a lot of traveling on gravel roads. Anyway, the point was that the 361 engine had a lot of torque and it was a commercial engine. And you have to understand that commercial vehicles get a lot better fuel mileage than the average uh, passenger vehicle that's out there. It's unfortunate, that's just the way it is. Like a, uh, uh, a diesel truck gets, what is it? It's, shoot, I, I don't remember this, the uh, the specification right now, but it's quite a lot more than a, like a diesel semi truck. It's a lot more per ton. So a regular passenger vehicle weighs about a ton and a diesel passenger vehicle is getting in the range of 15 to 20 miles to the gallon, at least it was at that time. And the diesel truck would get many times that. Uh, I'm just going to pull the figure out of the air and say in the in the range of about 60 or 70 miles per ton per gallon per ton and right. a diesel train on tracks is get was getting about 900 miles per gallon per ton okay 
So you can see that the commercial vehicles are, are much better designed for efficiency because the commercial drivers need to have the, the costs to stay down. So in any case, the 2150 carburetor uh, had a, a very advanced um, what's called air bleed system. And most people don't even need to know what carburetors are these days because everything is fuel injected. But the uh, in those days, uh, I, I you could you could think of a carburetor like a toilet bowl. You, you push the handle and just flushes the fuel into the engine. But it's only gasoline vapors that burn. It's only even now with fuel injected vehicles, it's only the vapors. The vapors when the spark plug fires is the only gasoline that powers your engine. And that's a key point to know if you're going to increase your fuel economy. You need to get as much of the fuel into the vapor form before the spark plug fires in order to power your engine. Because once the spark plug fires, any liquid fuel will vaporize and will mix with oxygen and will burn, but that takes 25 milliseconds. But you've only got 12 milliseconds before the, uh, the exhaust valve opens. So you're literally burning your fuel right out into your exhaust which is one reason why they say, if you lean the fuel mixture, you'll burn your exhaust valves. So, the, but, and we, that's why they had to put uh, catalytic converters. I, I hate catalytic converters, a real, real pet peeve of mine, because I feel that you need to burn the fuel in the engine, not in the exhaust system. Okay, so back to the, uh, the other thing they do, they have to quench the flame then. You have to, you, you have to make sure that all this extra vaporized fuel isn't burning out past the exhaust valve. So what they do is they add more fuel. So it sounds like a lot of waste basically in the current <laughs> systems. So what happens is the initial spark plug fires, burns that uh, gasoline, this vapor, that's what starts pushing the piston down. The other stuff starts to vaporize and burn, but it'll, and it'll continue burning out the exhaust. But what they do is they add additional fuel and that additional fuel, when it vaporizes, it, it makes the fuel mixture too rich to burn and actually quenches the flame. So now you have all these hydrocarbons going out the exhaust that the catalytic converter has to burn. Okay, so if you could have a pure vapor fuel mixture when the spark plug fires, you'll get the farthest on a gallon of gas. And there have been several carburetion systems developed in the past that did that uh, and got like 200 miles to the gallon. Okay, so in this particular case, what I did accidentally uh, in, in a couple of vehicles as I hooked up the vacuum lines on the carburetor wrong. So it put a slight vacuum to the float bowl of the carburetor. And, the, and carburetors have what's called a venturi. So as the air, flow, air is flowing through, the more air that flows through, the faster velocity, the lower the pressure. So there's a vacuum that pulls the fuel in from the float bowl. So if you put a vacuum on the float bowl, it doesn't pull in as much fuel. But because of the air bleed system, you can think of it like a channel with a little tiny hole at the top. So it's it's pulling in air. So when you have a vacuum on both sides, it pulls in more air, which causes more frothing. And that frothing, as the fuel is then jetted out into the airstream, causes more atomization. It causes the fuel to evaporate more. So you get more vapor. So anyway, this, that's a quick way of, of uh, explaining this little simple $15 modification on a carburetor that you could install in an hour, hood up to hood down. And in some cases, like the, the Ford 2150, it doubled the mileage of the carburetor. So that's that's essentially how the ma major reason. Now, the other thing that happened was with the uh, 361 industrial engine, it had a lot of torque. It was uh, at a relatively lower RPMs. So 
it turns out that the Giesbrick brothers who laughed their, their asses off when my dad bought that truck for me because they're the ones that thrashed that truck. They, they knew how terrible condition it was in. They just drove it, drove it into the ground. And then my dad bought it off the hayfield. So the, uh, and what they'd done is they put a two to one rear end in it. So every time the engine turned over uh, once, twice, every time the engine turned over twice, the, the wheel turned around once. And usually it's more like uh, three or four to one uh, uh, gear ratio. So it was a really high speed rear end. So at a low RPM of the engine, the wheels were turning over more often than normal. So I'd be idling down the road, essentially at uh, somewhere in the 600 RPM range and doing highway speeds. So low RPM, not using much fuel and a lot of power so I could, I could power at those speeds and uh, a good, a little bit of vaporization extra. And, and we were getting a vehicle that could go uh, 34 miles to the gallon on uh, at driving at 50 miles an hour. Well, I'm sure, I mean, I know I had you on here. We're, we're talking about something that another, your next invention uh, or one of your inventions is going to, it's going to change every listener's health here profoundly. We're going to get to that, but I'm glad that you went into depth on this because it just gives an idea of like where you came from, what you did, you know, how you think things through, and this is going to apply to what we're going to be sharing next. But, you know, we are in times right now where it's like four five, six bucks a gallon for gas and diesel. And you said fuel injection uh, is what most cars are and trucks are today. But um, I'm sure people are listening. They're wondering, is this possible on my car or my truck today to do something like this? Yes. Really good question. And that's what happened. Uh, we, as we went through the 60s, 70s, 80s, uh, more and more vehicles started to switch over to fuel injection. And most diesel were fuel injection anyway, uh, mechanical fuel injection. But also those started to switch over to electronic fuel injection as well, because it's uh, more adaptable. Uh, you don't have a fixed mechanical linkage. You could, uh, you could adjust on the fly uh, pretty much anything you wanted to, which became really important in what I'm gonna be saying next. So what happened is I needed a fuel saver that would work on fuel injected vehicles as well as carbureted vehicles. And I, I invented a couple of them. One, one was what I called the HICO systems. So the HICO 2A is for gasoline. The HICO 2DT was for uh, uh, diesels. And what those did was they, uh, they pre-vaporized the fuel before it went into the airstream, independently of the injection system. So then in the injection system, you would add a little electronic box that you could build as well. So you could cut back on fuel from the injectors at the same time as you're putting fuel in with the airstream. So again, you get this large uh, increase in fuel economy uh, with no loss in power whatsoever. Your engines last longer and they pollute less. There's every advantage and no disadvantage to putting on these fuel systems that actually work, these fuel savers. Okay, so. It's called, are you still selling those now? Uh, I'm selling the books to tell people how to build their own. Oh, okay. I, I'm not able to keep up with uh, making all the all the different uh, devices and kits that I was making uh, because 100% of my time, I kid you not, I get up at three o'clock in the morning. My wife is not happy with me and uh, and and work sometimes at 637 o'clock at night, pretty much continuous. So we've got this, all this, uh, and that's seven days a week and even holidays. Well, and the reason why you're doing that is because we're going to get to your mission here shortly, and yeah. you're also been using this the unit that we're going to be talking about 
to fuel your own health and vitality. And guys, this story is, um, it's, uh, it's very tremendous. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. When we get right back, we'll, we'll kind of switch gears and we'll kind of get into the rest of George Wiseman's story and how he's helping people with their health. We'll be right back. The average person today is carrying around 6 to 12 pounds of impacted fecal material and mucoid plaque in the small and large intestine. That's gross, but worse, it's super unhealthy. That is why we created Gut Detox Formula. This ancient 1,000-year-old formula from India gently micro-cleanses the intestines, removing all of that funk and gunk and junk that is destroying your health while leaving your good bacteria behind, which is part of your immune system. And there is no diarrhea like most gut detox products, and it's made with the same chemical-free body promise, no stimulants, 100% nature, and always made in the USA. Get yours today at chemicalfreebody.com. What's up, health heroes? Tim James here. We are back with George Wiseman from Eagle Research. It's an energy solutions company. It's also doing some amazing things with health. And um, so let's just pick up where we left off. You were talking about the fuel savers, diesels, and your, your truck and how you did it and how this rolls into what you're doing today and why you're working night and day, day and night to get this information and these machines out to people. Yes. Um, can, can we start again in just a second? Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I've got a light shining on my camera and you can see it's foggy on one side. Yeah, there. sure, sure. I'll be, I'll be right back. It's going to pull the shade a little bit. That took care of that? Yes. Yep. Almost. Well, it, it was gone. Then it... Yep. Came back Just a little bit more. There. Is that one? Yeah, that's good enough. Okay. Okay, Justin. Third time's a charm. That's my <laughs> podcast producer. Okay, you ready? What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. I am back with George Wiseman from Eagle Research. It's an energy solutions company that um, has a wonderful device that we're going to roll into right now. So, George, why don't we just pick up where you left off? Because I know that your fuel-saving devices from, from childhood rolled into your adulthood, which rolled into what you're doing today and why you're so passionate about helping people and getting these units out to as many people as possible. Right. So uh, I started my own business uh, selling the fuel savers because well, actually because of girls, <laughs> I needed money. So uh, I started my own business, Eagle Research, and uh, and doing the carburetor enhancer, and then eventually went into the Hyco 2A systems. And then the next fuel saver uh, segues right into what we're talking about with what's called Brown's Gas for Health. But I was using Brown's Gas for uh, combustion enhancement. So if you, it turns out if you split water into hydrogen and oxygen, and feed a little bit of it into the intake of the engine, along with the rest of the fuel, it vastly increases the combustion efficiency of the burn. Many reasons why, won't bother with that. Uh, the point is you can put these onboard electrolyzers on any vehicle and they're relatively simple and you're not modifying the fuel system or anything in any way, uh, that all takes care of itself. And bing, bang, boom, you get like 25% in diesels, you get as much as 50% increase in your fuel economy just by putting these onboard electrolyzers. And there's quite a few companies out there that are doing it. If anybody gives me an email, I can refer to a couple that I that I, I prefer. Well, I'll just get them from you and I'll put them in the show notes for people so it'll be down there too. You'll Perfect. have a lot of uh, references on this, this uh, show for sure. Perfect. Uh, 
Okay, so the um, uh, the Browns gas, I was making money and helping people uh, with their fuel economy. And uh, the next product I made was called the Water Torch, which was a larger electrolyzer that would make enough fuel to fuel an oxyacetylene torch. So replace the acetylene with the Browns gas, and you could do things with the Browns gas that you couldn't even do with the acetylene. Pretty much everything you could do with the acetylene, the Browns gas would do plus more. It would cut thir uh, steel 30% faster, uh, all of that kind of thing. So, so you're literally taking what you what you did was is you took a gas that was like an acetylene torch that had to be you know mined or fracked or I don't know how it goes, but it's got to be ripped out of the earth somehow and manufactured with chemicals. And now to cut metal, and it's a common practice. You know, people are using cutting torches and they're manufacturing plants, and they have to cut metal to make parts and make bumpers and all kinds of stuff. You replace that with water. And you were able to turn the water into, with an electrolysis unit, um, basically into hydrogen and, and water, which is in hydrogen gas and oxygen, excuse me. And that became the fuel for the, to propel the torch. Yes. Okay. So it's so, a chemical free torch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very environmentally friendly. All you need yeah. to be in water. That's right. It's pretty and, cool. That's, and they, and see, that's where we need to, that's where our money needs to go. <laughs> People need that education. Get off the acetylene, go to a Browns gas torch, and now you have a chemical-free torch, and it's good. It's you know People need to cut metal, and they don't need to pollute themselves breathing in that gas and then also um, uh, you know, polluting the planet. Whereas with Browns gas, if they breathe in the gas, it's, they're getting healthier, as that, we're, we're going to get into, which is that I just can't wait to get to it, but we'll just keep going. Yes. In, in fact, the... Uh... Uh, in New York State, it was the only gas allowed down in the mines, uh, the, essentially what we're calling Brown's gas, because for that very reason, and because it's a lighter than air gas. If you had acetylene or propane or any of those, they're heavier than air, so it settled down into pockets, explosive pockets, whereas the Brown's gas would rise up and go out the venting systems, but it also wasn't uh, toxic in any way. And awesome. then in a ship, when they're doing the shipbuilding in the construction yards, again, they get down into the hole uh, and holes of the ship. Uh, they could use the Browns gas in there, cutting and, and uh, without any of the toxicity, that sort of thing. Okay. That's awesome. And, and they found even in China, in what I'm just going to call a sweatshops, where you get a whole lot of people packed in a small area, uh, they were having a lot of health issues when they were doing the acetylene uh, in in rooms where when they switched over to the Browns gas for all the welding and and soldering and sintering and and that they were doing, uh, they they found they had a whole lot less health issues. Okay, so the uh, and that brings us to a guy in 1996 who had a melanoma on his forehead, and for some unknown reason, I have no idea why. He decided to bubble Brown's gas in water and then uh, put that bubbled water on his melanoma. And in three weeks time, the melanoma was gone. Three weeks time. I did not believe him. I, I was working with a combustible gas. Who would put a combustible gas on their body? And, and then to expect that it'd cure cancer? Like, I didn't believe him. But being the open-minded inventor, that I thought I was, that I aspire to be, I did send out to my mailing list at that point a few thousand people who had bought my various devices, 
saying Brown's gas, is, there's a potential use of Brown's gas. And, and testimonials started to roll in. People telling me all kinds of things that the bubbled water could do. And so basically this one dude's, his little self-experiment, whether it happened or not, happened, got you to send an email and say, hey, this guy did it and this happened. Um, I don't know if you guys want to try something, go ahead be, to, at your own risk. And then people started trying it for health benefits. And then all these testimonies started flooding in. That's exactly right. Now I was busy and I wasn't paying too much attention. Uh, and I knew it to be a combustible gas. So it took a few years to convince me. So in 2005, they convinced me to start drinking the Brown's gas bubbled water myself. And between your clients. Yes. My, my clients. <clears throat> and you were making these units already. You were making Brown gas units, but you're making them for what was the purpose? Just for torch? For fuel savers at that point, mostly fuel savers. Okay. And, so and you're making torch. it for fuel savers. Okay. Yes, I sold a few hundred of the torches, but they're relatively expensive and, and the fuel savers were relatively inexpensive. So a lot more people bought those. In any case, um, 2005 to 2007, I didn't get sick anymore. Like I, I used to get a cold or flu three times a winter, I could count on it and, and go through a lot of tissues and medicine and no. In fact, I haven't been sick since 2005. No colds or flus. Not even this most recent insanity, nothing. Right. In fact, they uh, they test uh, they test. I don't even have the antibodies for the uh, for the stuff. My immune system just took care of it without even reaching that level. So the um, so what we had in 2007, I was convinced enough that it was healthy and it wasn't going to hurt anyone because I always experiment on my own self first. I, I develop the inventions and innovations for myself first, and then I share them out. And so in 2007, I developed a little, I, I had already developed a little uh, tabletop electrolyzer that I called the ER50. And so what I did was I allowed people to um, um, bubble the water with the ER50 so they didn't have to buy a great big uh, water torch in order to get the bubbled water. Right. And again, now testimonials really started to pour in from 2007. And people started asking, can we inhale the gas? Now you're sitting, you're seeing me sitting here inhaling the gas. But at the time, I told people, no, you, it, it's a combustible gas. You don't want to have an explosion in your lungs if it happens to uh, ignite. And, and yeah, you forget and light a cigarette. Kind of like somebody on an oxygen tank; they're not supposed to be smoking. You know, that's right. In, in just fact, common was, sense, right? Jeez, there was a guy who had the cojones to tell me that he did smoke a cigarette and did ignite the gas. Uh, when he was inhaling, um, and and but because I, I'll get to that in a second, uh, but it didn't hurt him because, and I'll get to that in a second. Okay, so in in December of 2015, uh, a person sent me a video of a Korean hydrogen bar, which was using Brown's gas. To uh, people could go in and get a, a treatment like this. They could uh, they could inhale the gas, uh, just like we we buy a cup of coffee. Okay. Then I realized how stupid I had been because I knew this all along. I understand the uh, combustible limits of, uh, of um, uh, explosive gases. And so I, I went, I realized as soon as you mix the gas, the hydrogen with enough air, it becomes non-explosive. It goes under the lower explosive limit of the gas. It can't be uh, ignited when it's a, a thin mixture in the air or a really thick mixture in the air. That's when, like in, I was talking about internal combustion engines. Uh, they it makes it too 
too rich to burn by adding additional fuel. So essentially, if you don't have enough fuel to burn, it won't burn. And that's what's happening here. What I'm inhaling, I'm inhaling a small amount of gas with a large amount of air, and it's not combustible. So when this guy was smoking, he actually ignited the gas, but the gas backfired into the tubes and back to the machine, not down into his lungs, because the air going into his lungs didn't have very much hydrogen in it. Whereas the, whereas the mixed hydrogen and oxygen gas in here is 100% uh, stoichiometrically explosive. And so, so you can ignite the gas in the hose, but you can't ignite the gas that you're inhaling going down into your lungs. So that's that's where we uh, that's the mistake I was making, and I misadvised people for many years. Uh, but at the time that and now we kind of get into a real much more of a personal health uh, situation. At well, I just want to be clear too because. There's a solution for it. Now on your machines, you can adjust the mixture on the machine based on your lung size, which is really cool. So you it come, the machine comes with a chart. So if your healthy body weight is 100 pounds, I believe it's like a 20% mixture. My right. weight, 180, I think it's like a 36% mixture. So based on it's based on your lung size at a healthy weight. It's, it's all charted out. And then you just set it. Then you put the thing on, you breathe it in, and you're getting the right mixture for your lungs that's not completely non-explosive it's just adding a little hydrogen a little of this brown's gas to your already air that you're breathing correct exactly so the charts go with a two percent so it's mixture. safe that's the whole point it can yes. yes when totally you do it safe. correctly yes totally safe and uh so most of the scientific studies are showing a two percent hydrogen mixture so that's what I'm, i built the chart for and your blood is totally saturated with hydrogen in about 15 minutes with the 2% hydrogen mixture. So you, you don't need more than 2%. Uh, anything more than that just saturates the blood a little faster, but then you exhale any excess. So as soon as you don't, your, your body, just like you ex exhale excess carbon dioxide, if you, uh, if you have too much hydrogen, it just exhales it. So you always have exactly the right amount in your body, as long as your body is getting the hydrogen that it needs. Okay. Well, before you get into whatever you're going to get into, I want to, I think this is an important point because I know I, I like for me in the beginning, I'm like, why the hell would I want to breathe in hydrogen? And what you taught me was, and I want to go through this right now and cover this so people can get it because it's very important. Our bodies are 62% hydrogen by volume. So for me, when I learned that, cause I've been, you know, I've been telling people forever. It's like, look, our supplements are carbon based because you have a carbon based body right? Our body is 12% carbon. And I've been oxygen focused, super oxygen focused, right? That's why I have people drink a lot of water because it's H2O. What is it? There's, there's a lot of oxygen there, but I skipped over the H, which is the hydrogen. That's, you know, so 62% of our body by volume is hydrogen. 24% of our body by volume is oxygen. 12% is carbon and 2% everything else, minerals and all this other stuff. So here, my main focus at Chemical Free Body had been the 24% oxygen, the 12% carbon, and the 2% everything else. I didn't even know about, this is what blew my mind. I'm like, I've been missing out on a foundational pillar, 62% of every, it's like, I have to do this. And then you explained to me that we're supposed to get our hydrogen from our food. There's this hydrogen-carbon bond that's in the food, and there are specialized bacteria. And this is the, this is the game-changing moment, guys, that you've been waiting for. There are specialized bacteria in our colon that break the hydrogen-carbon bond so the hydrogen can be released in the colon, and then that's where we get our supply of hydrogen. 
Now, one thing that I learned from George was, as he's going to get into it, is that when he started breathing in the gas and replacing what was missing because those specialized bacteria in our colon, in most cases, have been killed off since the 1960s, since the advents of pesticides and fungicides and herbicides and larvicides and chemical fertilizers, and we have certain things like antibiotics, which everybody's had, and we've wiped out in stress and toxins. We've killed our bacteria and lack of nutrition because 85% of the stuff is farmed out of the soil. So we have this trifecta of issues we've talked about before, which is lack of nutrition, chemical pollution, and stress. And you put that together, those specialized bacteria are barely there or they're non-existent. We don't have the ability to make, uh, to release the hydrogen from the carbon bond in the food anymore in the colon and get our hydrogen. How do you know if you're not getting enough hydrogen? When you get hurt, if you scar, you're, you're not, that's a good, a clear indicator that you're not, if you have scars, that's a clear indicator that you don't have enough hydrogen. The other thing would be if you're overweight, you don't feel good, all these other issues you got going on, it's a total breakdown of the body. And 62%, remember, of your body by volume is hydrogen. So this is what's cool is because these, these Browns gas systems um, make hydrogen and we're able to breathe, drink it in our water and bubble in it and breathe it in and start replacing the job that these specialized bacteria were supposed to be doing in our colon. And this is why people are, he's getting flooded with testimonies and he'll tell, I'm just going to let you tell him like what happened in your life. So just keep going to the story because when you hear what happened in his own personal body, you're going to, I'm, I'm excited because I'm breathing this stuff every day. Now I've had it for a couple of weeks and I'm going, my mom's begging me for the water every day, twice a day. It's pretty cool. So keep going, buddy. <laughs> hopefully i didn't just this i did that as, uh, i did a good service well, so all that thing i just told you guys i took notes from george and i've learned over the last two weeks yes all of that is true and uh i'll i'll expand on that just a little bit more at the moment is that if you're not getting enough hydrogen uh the first thing that, okay step back again just a minute the body knows how to survive so if you're deficient in something the body will compensate the best that it can if you and for example, if you're out in the woods and you're getting hypothermia, you're too cold, your body will shut off blood flow to the extremities to preserve core temperature. Okay, just a, that's an example of what the body automatically does to stay alive. If you don't have enough nutrition, and in this case, uh, hydrogen being your major macronutrient, most dietitians don't even don't even think about it, don't have any idea. So. If you don't have enough hydrogen, your body will, number one, start shutting off your regeneration systems, like uh, stem cells and all of that. So that's one of the reasons why you scar, because the body will just patch instead of heal. And then if you still don't have enough hydrogen, start shutting off the various immune systems. So then you get sick easier and longer and all of that kind of thing. And that's where cancer comes in and, and, uh, and autoimmune diseases and what have you. Okay, so then... If you still don't have enough hydrogen, your organs start to fail and you die. Okay. When I started inhaling hydrogen, again, I did it because uh, I was doing it for myself first before sharing it out with anybody else. And I'll, I'll get into how that all happened in just a little bit. But in the meantime, I started to inhale and, and good things started happening in my body. First of all, I didn't realize it at the time, but I had a, I, I knew I had a heart murmur, but I didn't realize it was healing. Uh, and I eventually went to, uh, I, I got a new doctor, so they did a full physical on me, and I told him that I had a heart murmur, and he says, no, you don't. 
I'd had that heart murmur, which is a weak, fluttery heart valve, all my life. My grandfather died of uh, complications of his heart murmur. It was just kind of genetic in our family. And uh, so for 50 years, I knew I had a heart murmur. I no longer have a heart murmur. So the uh, so my heart got stronger. All the, all the various parts of my uh, cardiovascular system improved, and and lungs and things like that. So then, uh, the next thing I I happened to notice was that oh my uh, my warts are gone. I I had hand warts and a planter's wart uh, since I was a child, and and these warts are a virus, and the immune system my immune system just wasn't strong enough to get rid of all those things until I started inhaling the gas. And at that point, uh, it took a few months. That was about six to eight months. Like there were things that happened right away within days and, and a couple of weeks. Like I had psoriasis, uh, a thick thick skin on my um, elbows, knees, and feet. And I just thought it was calluses because I grew up on the on a cattle ranch and I, and I had really thick calluses. So I guess I just kind of transitioned into the psoriasis and didn't really realize it. And the, uh, and so, my, that skin started to peel off like a snake skin shedding a sh snake shedding its skin, which was very disconcerting to have large portions of my skin just kind of peeling off. But underneath was baby, smooth, beautiful new skin. And that stuff just peeled off. And, and so that was one of the first things that I noticed. Okay, so then uh, the, the last thing I noticed was when I was checking out my scars and stuff, or sorry, my, my warts, I noticed that my scars were gone. Like I used to have a, a a half inch square scar here on my forehead, and it and it was totally gone, which was quite a surprise because again I was on the cattle ranch I had quite a few scars on my body, that particular one I was using an air wrench with a regular socket and it didn't uh, hold on very well and the socket jiggled off and hit me like a gunshot in the forehead and uh, luckily my brother didn't pass out <laughs> flying everywhere, all right so in any case. The uh, uh, my scars all disappeared, which is one of the reasons I can say that it, if you have scars, you're hydrogen deficient. Even even yet, well, you may be like if you start inhaling, you're no longer hydrogen deficient. But it takes a while for the body to heal and uh, the stem cells to regenerate. So there's, there's right. How long did it take for the scars to disappear? Because it's not like again, we, nobody listening to yeah, me is was... like, hey, we're take a pill and tomorrow we're better program. We understand <laughs> that it's a lifestyle, right? That's right. And exactly. It takes time. So. So that was more in the eight months to a year kind of a thing. Okay. And, just... and, it, and it continues. There continues to be things that, uh, that heal. Um, uh, for example, a progression of one thing, I was losing the feeling in the palm of my left hand. There'd be a burning sensation and then it'd be numb and then a burning sensation, kind of like a rainbow, and then it'd be numb and then another curve uh, burning and numb. And it had reached up almost to my fingers. And I was thinking I was going to lose the use of my left hand. And my my uh, shins from my knees to my feet on the fronts of both legs had already gone numb. So I had these neuropathies. And when I started inhaling, within three months or so, I all those neuropathies disappeared. I had full feeling back in my in my hands or in my hand and uh, in the fronts of my legs. So there well, obviously it's helping on a base level to increase blood flow. Right. Now there's two additional things that were happening in my in my brain and ears. Uh, first of all, I had tinnitus or tinnitus, whichever way you want to uh, pronounce it. And uh, my ear, nose, and throat doctor told me that tinnitus was in the brain, not the ears. And the brain is the largest 
conglomeration of nerve cells. And obviously I was, I was uh, healing the neuropathies. It also was healing my brain inside because my tinnitus pretty much disappeared. Now that took uh, a year and a half to almost two years. It was quite a long time before that one uh, faded out, but it did fade out. And now I only get the, uh, uh, a slight hiss when I'm really stressed. So I find that to be an interesting correlation as well. Anyway, so, uh, and then about four years later, because I started inhaling about March of uh, 2016, I noticed that I was washing my toes in the shower without leaning against the wall. I had regained balance that I had lost, I have no idea how long ago, in my 40s or something. And, and I was just standing on one foot washing my toes and I realized I wasn't leaning against the wall. So these, these kind of things, it just on an ongoing basis, it, it is more and more. And if you look at my pictures, uh, for example, you can look at the first time I inhaled. The very first time I inhaled was March of 2016. I was sitting on my couch. I videotaped myself because I thought, you know, if, if something goes wrong, there'll at least be a videotape of my idiocy. Right. And, and you'll see my mustache was entirely white. This was all white on the beard. I, I have this, uh, it's, it's gone back. I, I actually have a little more hair. It's hard to see in the video like that than I, than I did then. And because I pretty much keep it sh cut short anyway. Uh, but you can see definitely the mustache and here. I look like I did in my 40s. I, I, my age has gone back about 15 to 20 years. Right. And it wasn't it wasn't from the water. It was when you started breathing the gas because you exactly. said you stopped getting sick with the water, but you were still aging. Right. Exactly. It was when, you start, when, you, when, when you start when you when you started like breathing the gas, that's when the big results started happening with right. in addition to the water. Right. The only thing that happened with me now, the bubbled water has helped a lot of people in a lot of different ways. But the only thing I really noticed was that I didn't get sick anymore with the I uh, noticed a ton of energy from that stuff. Tons. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's one reason I can work so long. Like I, I'm in my mid 60s and and I work from three o'clock in the morning till, you know, six o'clock at night, pretty much every day. And I still have to go out and do all my chores and errands and and anything else that's happened. I can squeeze in in the middle and mostly I hire people for those things these days because I'm trying to build as many machines as I can. So in any case. I couldn't do it if I if I didn't have the uh, the gas because I'll sit in front of the computer for 12 hours at a time, often, almost, almost nonstop. And if I, if I'm not inhaling the gas, I get bored and I get sleepy and I don't want to do it anymore. But if I put the uh, cannulas on and start inhaling the gas, my, my mind brightens up. I can concentrate. The time just flies by while I'm just doing one thing after another, no problem at all. So it, it really, really makes a difference on how much I can help others by helping myself first in this particular case. So, so that kind of uh, uh, is the rest of the story on the uh, what what I was kind of experiencing. I have a whole list of other things too. I've forgotten half the stuff because right. when you don't have it anymore, you, know, you don't you don't even think about it. Uh, and and pain free, like I used to have pains in my body, uh, absolutely nothing. The other day, I uh, uh, Buffalo got six feet of snow. I was out there shoveling and and running the snowblower uh, for. It must have been about six hours to, to dig ourselves out. And uh, ordinarily, because I hardly ever exercise, I, I do got to get into that. <laughs> Somebody goes and exercises like that when they're not, 
you're gonna you're gonna no pain no gain you're gonna you're gonna feel it the next two or three days was nope not a single sore muscle i was tired and i had to sleep and the next day i was up and about not a single sore muscle there's a well, this is this is all awesome dude like everybody listening is probably wondering wow i i want to i want to feel like that because i know when we first talked i'm like i want one of these units right now and <laughs> we expressed one over to me and i've been on it ever since so why don't you get into the big why behind all this and why you kind of shifted gears? Because I know you, like me, we both have a, um, a kindred spirit in that we want to create free energy, but right now that's kind of on the sideline because we're both doing health stuff to help people and help the working class, um, to learn to become their own doctors, learn how to self heal and take, take back the, the reins of their health. So they don't have to live in fear and they can then be a strong independent person and do what they want and follow their joy, follow their excitement and fight for freedom. So, what why don't you just get into the story with your wife and, and, and explain to people why you're so passionate about um and, and why you're working from three in the morning until night because it's literally like the mothers against drunk driving story where that woman's daughter was killed by a drunk driver and then she turned her daughter's bedroom into a huge organization working night and day day and night to you know bring more awareness to people to stop drinking and driving so you have a yeah. similar mission tell us about how that happened well i consider myself to be an alternative energy researcher and uh, um, God brought Brown's Gas into my life back in the uh, mid-1980s. And so in 1986, I was already experimenting, putting Brown's Gas on vehicles and that kind of thing. In 1996, I, was, I got the first ind indication that Brown's Gas had health uh, aspects. That was this guy with the water torch melanoma story I just told you. Right. In 2005, I started on myself. Uh, and and just drinking. <clears throat> so it seems that God was kind of pushing me a certain direction, and I was wanting to go another direction with the uh, fuel savers and the torches. And and I have a few uh, alternative energy projects that I've done, uh, got gotten some uh, traction on uh, that I want to make free energy for the world. So we are definitely on that same page, but. Um, my concentrating on that was not where I was supposed to be, I guess, because in about uh, 2010, my late wife got sick. Very, uh, it, it, and it was a progressive thing. At first, it was this, and then, then it was that. And it turns out that it was an autoimmune disease called lupus. And we fought that disease to the point where in uh, March of 2016, I was $300,000 in debt. I, I, I couldn't work. I was 24 seven caretaker of this woman. Um, I had to, to lift her to the toilet. I, I couldn't be away from her for more than 20 or 30 minutes at a time. I, it, she couldn't even roll over in bed without uh, assistance. She, she was blind. She'd lost her hair. Uh, it was, it, and, and this woman was a, was a multimedia artist. She, and she was a joy of everything and very intelligent incredibly intelligent taught me a lot i'm telling you so my my life was very much enhanced with having her in it she she had a lot more to give to the world and and should have um but like she was well, you know george she is right now <laughs> through you so and and maybe this is the way things had to be but so all that time for example i was telling people not to inhale the gas i was wrong and uh, and and in all that time, she wouldn't. Uh, she actually wouldn't drink the water, the uh, Brown's Gas bubbled water. 
because it did raise the pH somewhat. And her uh, sister was a, a scientist, a, um, a teacher of uh, science in school, and told her that uh, high pH water wasn't uh, um, healthy. So she, she didn't drink the water. <laughs> she probably wouldn't have inhaled either. But it turns out <clears throat> that she ended up dying in March of 2016. And at that point, I really didn't care if I lived or died. At grief, you, I, I, I have to say that people who haven't experienced grief at that level don't understand what it's like and why so many spouses follow them, their, their mates into the grave in a very short time because it's very difficult. When their life ends, it's like your life ends too. So I was sitting on the couch and I had one of these ER50s beside me and I had remembered this video that this uh, person had sent me in December of 2015 where they were inhaling the gas. And I thought, you know what? I'm just gonna set up this machine and, and inhale the gas. Knowing now what I did, where I, I, I knew the, the amount of gas to inhale to be at the 2% mixture. So I set up the machine to do the 2% and I inhaled the gas and videotaped myself. And you could still see that on my YouTube uh, channel. So we had back, uh, I, I did about 15 minutes that first uh, night and I couldn't sleep all night. The, uh, my current wife, when she did 15 minutes at night, about 15 minutes at 6.30 at night, she had the best night's sleep she could remember. So what I'm saying is nobody knows what's going to happen when you start inhaling the gas. It's totally up to your body. Your body knows what's going on. There are, there are protocols where you can like uh, treat your hand with you have arthritis. Oh, that was one of the things I had too, was arthritis. I have full strength and functionality in my, in my hands back again. So the... Um, and like I say, pain-free. Anybody who's been, uh, who's lives with pain knows how wonderful it is to be pain-free. Young people have no idea. So in any case, uh, I, I saw that it was doing good things for me because uh, the psoriasis is going away and things like that. So I did, again, send out an email to my customers telling them how to hook up their uh, cannulas to their machines, their ER50s, which I had thousands of them out there at the time. And just really quick, when just because I... Most people might not know a candula is like it's it's that little um, latex or whatever strap that's got the little, two little things that go up your nose and then it goes over your ears. You see them in like it's typically like you see an elderly person on an oxygen machine. You see them with those um, on the commercials where like they got the portable oxygen makers. It's just that thing that goes over the ear. So it's like, it's kind of like a hands free deal. So you can breathe in the, the whatever you're trying to breathe in with it hands free and then it goes to the unit. That's what a candula is. Yes. Anyway, so I really appreciate everybody listening, the health heroes out there. And until next time, change yourself, change your world, and I'll see you guys again really soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening again to the Health Hero Show. I'm your host, Tim James. And remember, change yourself, change your world, and we'll see you again on the next episode. Talk to you soon. You have just listened to the Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs>